Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, and lessons therein. And we like to do that in the world of sports, of business, of comedy, of music, of authors, pastors, and the like. And so today we have with us Glenn Scrivener, who's been here before, and he's back again. And we're actually going to spend a lot of time today talking about this book, because I am 100% absolutely fascinated with a new book that comes out March 4th, How to See Life, A Guide in 321. And if nothing else, if people see this cover, the cover of this book is gorgeous and ties in well to the videos that go with it as well. But before I keep going on and on, welcome back, Glenn. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. And I want our listeners to hear this and know this, that you, A, through Matea, who works with you and is your assistant, have been easy, easy, easy to deal with every time. Last time you were on, we talked about at the end, is there anybody that you think we should have on that you know that I don't? Andrew Wilson was who you suggested. He -hmm. was easy. He came on. Uh, He's in Indianapolis. I'm in Indianapolis. We're at a conference where I'm walking with my buddy through the uh, the book area and the retail area and all that kind of stuff, which is usually big and lots of people, lots of stuff. And all of a sudden, I look up and I'm like, "Hey, Andrew Wilson, Jeff Pinkleton." <laughs> it was like we were old friends, but you allowed all that to happen. And yeah, Andrew is brilliant. He he literally lives on the next street from me. I am pointing at his house right now. I can see it from my from my window. It's amazing. Wow. What is it like when you, because I was so blessed by him. He gave, and people I talked to agreed he gave the best, me- not, you know, I didn't talk to everybody, but a few people who said his message at the TGC 23 was the best message. And there were some great people who spoke. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine, what is it like when you two get together? He's a sparkling communicator. And we've actually done a podcast together yeah. called Post Christianity. And people can uh, find that. It's, uh, yeah, Gospel Coalition have uh, put that together for us. Just put us in a room, and I just got to ask questions of him for about eight hours. And yeah, the result is a series where I learned so much, and, and lots of people have tuned in and, and have learned so much from, from Andrew. He's, uh, he is a brilliant mind and a brilliant communicator. But now, doesn't he have to be saying the same thing about you? Because you clearly mm-hmm. are now. And as soon as everybody buys this book and watches the videos that go with it, they will know how accurate I am. What What, what is he learning from you? Uh, nothing really. Come I'm, on, I'm just kind of. I'm the, I'm the radio guy. I'm like I'm like you, Jeff. I'm just I'm just doing the segues. <laughs> what are you I'm saying just, about you know. me in that statement? Then? <laughs> Come on, we all know. We all know. Like I I I did radio all throughout my my college years, and uh, it, it's it's a real love of mine, actually. Like audio broadcasting. So I'm, I am I just do the patter and I, I let Andrew come up with the great points. Okay. But let's be very clear about this. And in How to See Life, Andrew is not there. You've got these <laughs> eight to 15 minute videos that go with chapters or sections of the book. 
They're mm. so beautifully done. They're so well put together. You know, I've, I've got in my head now, even I'm not looking at it, but the image of like the, the ticket booth with the three little tear off tickets that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to use black and yellow and a lot of the color things with questions because of my high school that I graduated from the colors are black and yellow. Mm. And, and I was trying to define your style. When I thought about getting you back on here, I thought your style to me is a confidence and trust that I just feel like I give you right away because you just, you exude that. And yet you don't come off like a know-it-all and you've got everything figured out. You're just saying, hey, together, let's go on this journey. Because a lot of people who have an academic side to them, which I think you definitely do, they just come off in a way that's not real inviting. And you are anything but. I just feel like, yeah, I'm going where Glenn's going in this journey. <laughs> that's very kind of you to say. I'm probably the last person to comment on on why any of that works. But we had a terrific team putting together the videos. So you're, you're referring to 321, which is this new evangelistic course that you can do online. And we very much wanted to make it an experience that people are used to. People are used to exploring everything in life online. Like if you're searching for a plumber, you're going to search online. If you're if you're searching for God, you're also going to search online. And so the the way that people do that is constantly, you will binge Netflix documentaries, you will fall down YouTube holes, you will listen to like hour long podcasts, you will listen to audible books, and you will spend time online immersing yourself in deep, rich truths. And that's that's the way that people are experiencing the digital world right now. And we want a Christianity 101 that really makes sense in in the digital age. And so 321 is our attempt to do that. And How to See Life is the book that accompanies this course. And it's really trying to capture imaginations. And I and guess it does. the feel- And it does. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we, we try to tell stories. And I guess like every every chapter of the book and every episode of the the course that you can watch online- begins with a story and like the first story is you're you're waking up on a space station you have no memory of how you got there and no knowledge of who you are and you start to piece together what is the meaning of it all and like instantly you're just defamiliarizing everybody with life because this is nobody's experience but it's kind of recognizable as a science fiction kind of genre Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to get everybody on the same train to say, guess what? Life is like that. We we arrive on planet Earth and we don't know how we got here or who we are or what the meaning of it all is. And the twist in episode one is, well, there's a stranger who comes to tell you that he is the rescue. Do you trust him or do you not? And we just want to immerse people in story after story and kind of say, you know, the gospel is just like this and Jesus is just like that that rescuer. And I guess I've got a confidence in the crew around me who are like filming beautiful shots and the animator who's just like made these animated videos so beautiful. I've just got a confidence that the gospel is good and what we have to say is already gripping. I don't need to, you know, I I don't need to give you a Snickers bar on top of the roast dinner. Mm. The gospel is the roast dinner. Glenn Scrivener doesn't need to be giving you the Snickers bar. I, I just need to serve up the, the roast dinner. And that's what we've tried to do. So talk about the time and the effort, the brainstorming and putting these videos together, because there felt like a little bit of a flavor of the Bible project. Maybe it was out there and there was mm-hmm. a little bit of a, 
at least for me, a Bible project feel to it. Bridgetown Church, which is where John Mark Comer was, where Tyler Staten is now, there almost seemed to be a little bit of stuff I've seen in that church because I've been to that church. And some of the things they've done with version or whatever, where uh, just the, the almost like a stained glass and imagery that was really nice. But your, uh, and even when the woman who did the voiceovers for, you know, take some time here now, there was the countdown to three, two, one, um, take a moment, pause if you need to, don't, I mean, everything feels so well thought out and there was nothing complicated for me to process. The questions, Mm -hmm. simple, I think you typically had two or three, how much time was put into everything that we see on this end of it with the videos? Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot. I've been telling people the gospel in three, two, one since 2010. So like this this is going on for 14 years of kind of background in explaining the gospel in these sorts of ways. And then as we wanted to put it online and make it a digital experience, you're right. The Bible Project, they have been absolutely pioneers in this space. And John Mark Comer has been been a pioneer in this space. I think the the genre we most wanted to go for was something a little bit like masterclass. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done like my, like on Facebook? It'll sort of tell you Hans Zimmer will show sure. you how to be the the greatest you know musician um, to 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 score films and and he will sit down in in a sort of a, a theatrically lit kind of stage environment and there's a stillness to it and there's something about it being beautifully shot but also educational mm-hmm. and i guess it's it's that kind of combination of um this is not school um you, you're not getting credits um you, you, but but it is it is beautifully done, but it is informative. And that that's what we've sort of tried to go for with 321course.com. And people can check out what it looks like and what it feels like. But the, the, we wanted to have a stillness, a beauty to it, but it's also informative. It's also um, it's also helping you in your how to see life. So we, we, we've really tried to grasp hold of that sort of how-to idea as well. There's a whole bunch of people who really want to figure out what life is all about. And they are very up for considering all kinds of how-tos, well, why not a how-to that's related to Christianity? That's what we've tried to do. Yeah. And I think you've succeeded. What What does it look like for you as a leader when you, this is your stuff, you wrote the book, you have, I'm sure, the initial ideas of what this is supposed to look like in video format and, and in a course. And then where do you just say, okay, I got to step back and let this it sounds like a great team around you. Let them take over and do what they can do that is beyond my wisdom, my expertise, my skill set. Talk about that process with you being the point, but then other people are involved in the process. Yeah. So I've, I've got with me Nate Morgan Locke, who was the director for all these films. And uh, yeah, he, he's a documentary maker and, and a, a brilliant theologian and communicator in his own right. He, he works with me at Speak Life, which is the ministry that uh, we run here on the south coast of England. So he, I, I don't know anyone better than Nate at seeing a story. Like, I will tell him a story. I will, I will tell him what's in my mind. And he was like, well, you've got to begin with a close-up on the microphone or, or whatever it is. And he, mm-hmm. he will instantly see it and know how to do visual storytelling. And if if Nate could tell a story with absolutely no dialogue, he will tell a story with absolutely mm. no dialogue. It's yeah, he is sort of show don't tell made flesh. That's that's Nate. And so there, there was him doing um, 
the the directing and then max patterson was our um, videographer our, our cinematographer really and wonderfully he came to us age 17 he was already a videographer in new zealand and he did an internship with us and he just wowed us and we kept him on as a media producer and, and now he's making his way in london as a filmmaker and he he is one to watch he's, he's how old is he now and so he must be 21 now so yeah <laughs> wow and you got him at 17 yeah. I know he's stunning. He he was already working full time as a videographer. He's seventeen. He's he's yeah. He's wow. definitely one to watch. Say his name again. Mac, Max Patterson. Max Patterson. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. When you've got a great team around you, you've got to you've got to get everybody on board. And and we, you know, as soon as we thought to ourselves, it's this. We want this to be mere Christianity for a digital age. Mm. And and it was actually Max's idea um, that the aesthetic should be a little bit like masterclass. And once once you sort of have one or two kind of points of reference like that, you can really go after it and go go after it hard. And we didn't extend the the circle, the creative circle, very much further than that. So it wasn't a case of you know there's five different executive producers and a whole bunch of suits, and then the financiers and and all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, which is what typically happens in in film projects. And we were very blessed not to have to do that. So be, because it was very clear, I was the showrunner. Very clear that I I had the I, I was the writer and the presenter, and I had the sort of the, the final say in things. We didn't we didn't do it by committee too mm -hmm. much there was there wasn't too much um people kind of throwing in bells and whistles left right and center um so i th think there's a real unity in the look and feel of it yeah let me ask you this so do you sense because i kind of felt this and i don't want to overstate what you were trying to do here so i'd rather hear it from you was there a little bit of this as like a 2023 alpha course like did you did you have a yeah. little bit of nikki gummel in mind here yeah i think so and not that I would ever think it would replace Alpha, but I would hope that it would complement it. Yeah. And I would I would hope that we as a very small ministry are able to be a bit more agile than Alpha. Alpha definitely wants to do a digital version of its very successful evangelistic course. And certainly their videos have immense production value and they must have spent millions on on their film production. And they look amazing. Their their films look amazing. Um, but as as far as making it a digital uh, a digital product that makes sense to digital natives, Alpha is not yet there yet. And in terms of when they think they might be able to produce an evangelistic course that that takes advantage of everything that digital can do, I think it'll take them till they. I think they think it'll take them until twenty five, twenty six, and so. They are very interested in what we're doing and they want to see the mistakes that we make. And I'm sure they can improve on it when when they get the wheels turning on on their next sort of iteration of, of Alpha. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 in the same way. It's a Christianity 101. But what what we're wanting to do is really take advantage of what you can do online. You can have branching narratives online, actually, and you can be a, a lot more interactive and you can have a chat community and you can have ask glenn anything so so this evening we're about to record uh, uh an ask glenn anything so that all those who are doing the course they you know different people might be at different stages in the course but they can ask me a question and you can ask the presenter um any question you like and so we, we're going to run that this evening and you know you can't ask nikki gumbel 
those sorts of questions because you know alpha is not as digitally on as yeah. as speak life are and so we're, we're just trying to take advantage of that and and then we'll we'll see how it goes and i think alpha will watch with interest what happens with us and uh yeah we are we are not competitors we um we can hopefully collaborate well and we're looking to we're looking to do something with this your book comes out as i said march 4th and mid, mid april after people have time to get the book or whatever that's something we're looking to do with with our ministry is to to tag team and jump in that and invite people who would say i'm not a follower of jesus but i'm interested i'm curious I'm seeking, I'm thinking about this and we want to jump right in with you and utilize that. And, you know, I'll, I'll need to be in touch with you or Matei or whatever, make sure I do my homework. So I'm not getting sideways and doing something that goes against what your heart's desire is for that. But let's jump into the content. So you talk about in the beginning and there's four possibilities of in the beginning. Can you start unpacking that for us? So we know kind of a flavor where this book goes. It's the way Genesis begins. It's also the way John's gospel begins in the beginning. And I often ask people, where does your mind go when you think about in the beginning? If you were to wind back the video of reality before there are people, before there are planets, before there are protons, what is there? And it seems to me that you can really only have four answers and they're not hard and fast answers. There's overlap between all of them. But you could say, on the one hand, there's just nothing. And I have to admit that even as a Christian, you know, when somebody says, what was there before the universe, I can give a knee-jerk response sometimes. Oh, well, nothing. Nothing was before the universe. The universe is everything, right? Which is like the, the ultimate atheistic answer. But a lot of Christians give that answer sometimes that, you know, there was nothing. But if there was nothing in the beginning, then like all of reality is the ultimate absurdity because out of nothing has come everything. As a Christian, I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, but this would be the virgin birth of the cosmos and without a virgin. <laughs> Um, it's it's the ultimate miracle, you know, the ultimate magic trick with no magician, right? So you, you could say in the beginning there was nothing and then everything came from nothing, but then you're sort of resigned to thinking that everything is absurd, really, and life is meaningless. The second option is in the beginning there was chaos, and actually all the ancient myths basically said this, that there was clashes between earth and heaven and the underworld, and the gods were born out of that, and then... Uh, you know, there might have been a naughty deity that's cast out of heaven and and that's what the earth is and it's the body of a dead monster. And But there are clashing powers, right? And so there's a religious version of in the beginning chaos. There's also a, a very scientific version of in the beginning chaos. You just have, you know, bang, crash, struggle, 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 and here we all are. And And it's actually quite a popular view of where we've come from. We've come from chaos. The third option is, and, and if we've come from chaos, then life is basically struggle, you know. Mm. And then you could just say in the beginning there was power. And there is a religious and a non-religious version of this. Again, you, you could just say in the beginning there were forces like gravity and, and just inevitably a universe emerged because of certain forces in nature. And basically power is in, in control. There's also a religious version of that, and and even Christians will say, I know what was there in the beginning, God, and that's good, that's the right answer, but but which God are we talking about? Mm -hmm. And so much of my evangelistic ministry is to say to people, which God are we talking about? And quite often, the, the God that people have in mind is a single individual, high on power, low on personality, with nothing and no one beside him, just his own thoughts for company, and then, and then he sort of makes a world... 
And the only relationship you can have with such a God who is defined as power is, well, you must submit. And of course, the second most popular religion in the world is named submission. That's what Islam means. And, and Allah is very much all by himself. He is a singularity. He has no one and nothing beside him to associate partners with. With Allah is shirk, and it's the worst kind of sin. And so those are the, those are the three options that aren't Christian. You can say in the beginning there was nothing, in the beginning there was chaos, in the beginning there was power. But then the, the fourth option is the Jesus option. The night before Jesus dies, he prays, and in John 17, verse 24, he says, Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. What was there before the world began? Well, Jesus says he was there, and he was being loved by the Father in the joy of the Spirit. And from the beginning, there has been love. Love is something God never had to create because God is love, a Father always loving his Son in the joy of the Holy Spirit. And doesn't that make sense of what life is all about? If life is come from nothing, then it's absurd. If it's come from chaos, then it's struggle. If it's come from power, then it's just slavery. If we've come from love, then, oh my goodness, does that not resonate with, with all of us? We all have this sense that love is the greatest thing. And then Christianity comes along and says, I know why. Because the greatest thing, God, is love. And then I ask people, like, what do you think was there in the beginning? And at that point, the doctrine of the Trinity is not some obscure like mathematical conundrum. At that point, the doctrine of the Trinity is the good news that God is love and you're invited. You know, you talked about that in the beginning, and then you have a line in the video, I think, and probably in the book. I'm, I'm definitely remembering it from the video, but you said, if we were to pull back and open up the heavens, what would we see? And you use that line you use a lot about a father loving his son and the joy of the Holy Spirit. As I think through that, and as I heard it when you said it in the video, it just captured me, like almost as if I was recommitting my life to Jesus. I mean, it just captured me in the moment hearing you say that. And I thought, man, if we could take that around the world, place to place, sorry, Billy Graham, I don't mean this in any kind of diminishing way, but revival, 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 revival. I, th I mean, wow. When you think about everything going on in the world, and I know it's easy to say that. We've said that for years, for days, at any moment, look at any headline, any newspaper. We know we don't have to explain sin much anymore. People get it. The world is broken. But that phrase, a father loving his son and the joy of the Holy Spirit, I hope people don't miss that because you could just take that not that the rest of the book isn't great, but that is so much. Has that been something you've been, that, that phrase, that sentence, have you been thinking about that for a while? How did that yeah. kind of come to you the way it did? Yeah, I have been thinking about it for a while. In fact, I was preaching last night on Luke chapter 10, and Jesus has this beautiful line in verse 21. In fact, it's Luke describing Jesus praying. It says, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, prays, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And and that's like a little window into like, who is God? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He, he is our window onto God. He's the mediator. He shows us what God is like. And, and when you come to him, you see a son full of joy through the Holy Spirit praying, Father. And so like, yeah, from, from the beginning, there has been life. There has been joy. There has been love. And this, like, this is such a, a compelling vision of ultimate reality. And I, I think it's the only vision of ultimate reality that actually resonates with the hearts that God has given us. And, and your non-Christian friends and family, 
they live as though joy and life and love is ultimate. But on what basis do they think those things are ultimate? Because if we've come from nothing, chaos and power, then love is a really nice distraction mm. from what ultimate reality really is, That's which is just power plays or struggle, right? But we can actually say, no, the, the love that you feel and that you long to name as ultimate really is ultimate. But only with Jesus do you get this. But with Jesus, you get, you get a God who is love. That was another question I had in here was talking about ultimate reality versus a false ultimate reality. You also pick apart in there and, and you did it more robustly and probably in a pro con way more than I've heard people talk about. You talk about light and you talk about light is something we are naturally drawn to. And yet we kind of run from it both. And right. maybe elaborate right. on that. Cause one of the words God gave me for myself for 2024, I asked for one word. He gave me two. He wanted me to focus on Colossians three, three hidden with Christ in God. But then through that, uh, I was reading a, um, um, an Oswald chambers, uh, devotional one day and the word light was tied in with it, ironically enough. And he, Oswald talked about Colossians three, three. I think he's written five of his devotionals are about that, but I love the way you talked about light. Maybe elaborate mm. that. Why should we maybe give extra attention to light? Mm. I begin chapter five of the book, How to See Life, A Guide in 321, uh, with a, a made-up story. I, I, I begin each chapter with these fictional stories. And I, I imagine this janitor who's just sweeping a stage, you know, maybe maybe on Broadway or somewhere. And there there is the janitor sweeping the stage very late at night. There's no lights on anywhere. And then suddenly the spotlight kind of shines down on him. And how, how does he feel? Like he, he's just been humming a show tune and, and, you know, imagining that he was one of the stars of the show, but then the spotlight hits and you're like, do you want to step into the spotlight or do you not? And if there was a spotlight that shone down from heaven, would you want to get into the light? And, and part of us wants to get into the light. Part, part of us wants to be seen. Like we all want to be seen and known for who we are. We also desperately want to hide because we know that there are blemishes and we know that it's not pretty at times uh, to see us in all our glory. And and that's that's what human beings are like. We're split. And, you know, if talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, that's the that's the three of three, two, one. The two of three, two, one is this splitness that we have. There is humanity as it's meant to be, and there's humanity as it actually is. Mm. There's me as I'm meant to be. There's me as I actually am. And the me as I actually am are full of blemishes and, and wrinkles and acne and, and all sorts of things that make me not want to step into the light. But there's the me as I want to be, as I ought to be. And in the Bible, those that splitness is described by the two Adams. You know, the, the first Adam is life as it actually is, a, a life that ultimately is about selfishness and curving ourselves in on ourselves. But then Jesus comes as the second Adam to live life the way it's meant to be. And then hand in hand with him, I can, I can step into the light because he can, he can cover all that is dark within me and bring me into his light. But I've first got to really wrestle with my sin. I've got to first wrestle with the ways in which I'm dark, the ways in which there are, there is shadow in me. And so the two atoms is a, is a really 
helpful way I've found of, of talking about that with non-Christians. There's numerous things in this book I think you could pull apart and take out and write a future book only on that. And I think your views and your thoughts and how much you expanded light and darkness, I think could be its own book. And, you know, not that you need me to tell you what to write next, but maybe that would be another book to really take that. And gosh, I could see that being one of those 350 page books alone. Let me ask you this, Glenn. One of the things I feel like God's been showing me in the last several months through a couple different conversations, and he's just been revealing it to me beyond that, is that uh, in my time with the Lord, as with anybody that's following Jesus, he'll give me an aha moment. He'll allow me to see a glimpse of beauty. He'll have a word for me. And I've learned from some other people that I tend to be one who is quick to want to get that out and share that and let other people know that truth. And I had a spiritual director who recently said to me, Jeff, I think sometimes you need to hold that and allow God to really love you. I think you want to tell people God loves them, but sometimes do you miss how much God loves you? Wow. I was taken back. How do you process that for yourself, Glenn, and say, I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm taking this walk. I'm heading over to Andrew Wilson's house or whatever, and have something that's from the Lord that's just for you and keep it as long as you need to keep it. Yeah. That's that's such a good word, and and it's especially a needed word when you could tweet something out instantly. You know, like it's it's not just it's not just you know evangelists like me who have something of a platform who now have the ability to to actually sing out the things that God has given to us. We all do. We've got it in our pockets. We've got we've got a platform. We've got we've got ways of actually communicating things that that perhaps we should sit with for a lot more and i think i think that's a really helpful word and i've been challenged on that really i i've just joined a songwriting sort of uh, community called the 12 song challenge and like every every month they'll they'll give you a topic and you've got to come up with a, a song about it wow. and it's like obviously as 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 a writer of words i'm i'm fascinated by hymns and lyrics and songs and and I want to get better at that. I'm I'm a very amateur musician so I I just kind of thought I'd give this a go and I I just noticed in myself this this desire to instantly be an amazing songwriter. Like to mm. instantly among this community of 250 songwriters like maybe I'll be in the top 10 or something lately like, like, <laughs> and, and just I instantly caught myself thinking that. And I'm like no what's beautiful about this is I'm being challenged every month to think, you know, this month we're thinking about gathering and what, and we're being challenged to think about a song of gathering for our own church community. Not Tell me, are you else, specifically not... using the word gathering there? Gathering. Come yeah. on now, you know, that's the name of a ministry. So if I'm yeah, the right. gathering of the Miami Valley, I need to be receiving all that you guys are processing together. <laughs> Let us benefit from the word gathering. Well, if I if if I do end up coming up with a with a song by January the thirty first, I'll I'll send it your way, <laughs> or yeah. just send me everybody else's too. Yeah, yeah, and there there will be loads of that. But I I was just really challenged, I think, by the spirit, like that. This is just my chance to sit with God and and process things in in that slower way, and it's not for public consumption. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and kind of the point is. I'm and the and the point is like I'm not a good songwriter. <laughs> you know, I can I I've written a few books that doesn't make me a good songwriter. Mm. This is a very different thing. And I'm I'm quite glad that I'm throwing myself into one devotional area 
in which it's it's kind of like like using your left hand if you're right-handed sure you know and forcing forcing yourself to it's it's okay to not be polished and and I, I I'm excited by what this this might do for me because it's it's not an area that is for public consumption but it it is it is something where I can kind of just be a learner yeah. and and sit and meditate with God I love the the Atlantic Ocean and five hours of a time zone is between us, but it feels like you and I are very similar spaces. I'm I'm glad I brought that up on a personal level to me what I'm dealing with, because you got to speak into it and you're in that same place. That man, how good and gracious is God that yeah. you and I are here I talking on a Monday, and uh, yeah, we're in a similar space that way. So I want to get to the uh, rapid five. I've got a new one for you from last time, and then I want to get into another topic relevant to your book. What is the season of your, your your life, Glenn, that if you did it over, whether it was so good or you have um, things you'd want to do over on that you'd like to live over? Give us a year of your life. Mm. I think like early marriage, we we really struggled with. My, my wife has struggled with uh, an eating disorder in a life-threatening way, both as a teenager and then again in early marriage. And I just did not know what was going on when we first got married and I, and I, I've spoken to a, a lot of people in similar situations where actually becoming a Christian or getting married has often in some people's lives caused more turmoil mm -hmm. rather than less, because all of a sudden there's, there's another presence in your life and they're not going anywhere, whether it's Jesus or whether it's a husband, <laughs> suddenly uh, that speaks um, to me. you've been, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been wrestling with something all by yourself. And then all of a sudden, Glenn Scrivener is married to you and he's not going anywhere. And, and, and it really stirred up my, my wife in, in some really unhelpful ways. And, and she kind of plummeted down and, and my goodness, we almost, we almost lost her. And I, I would, I would really want to put my arm around young Glenn at that stage and try and talk him through what was actually going on. Cause I, I had no idea we got, we got married. I was 24 and yeah, I was a, I was a very young kid who had no idea uh, you know, my wife told me that she had struggled with an eating disorder and I went, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm sure that just means you struggle with eating your greens and had no idea that there was this like monster that was about to eat us alive. But, um, through the grace of God, he, he, he got us through in the end. Yeah. And just so people know, since you were on here before a previous podcast, we talked about your family life a good bit more. So there's, if people want more, they, they can go back and check out some of that, that we did before. So I appreciate, I, I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty. And you did that in the, the one before as well, Glenn. So I'm going to guess on this next question, you're going the musical route since you're talking about performing and learning and singer songwriter stuff or whatever. But if you could pick any event, sporting event, concert, comedy, whatever it would be a play, what would you go see and where, what would be the location or venue which you would want to see it? Oh, okay. Let's, let's go and watch Arcade Fire at Glastonbury. Let's do that. Wow. That'd be fun. That sounded like a guy who is very firm on knowing what he knows right there. <laughs> no hesitation. It's as if I gave you that question ahead of time. Um, let's go with this one. You're with family. You're with friends. You get to play any board or card game. What game do you want to play? Oh, I don't really mind as long as it's not Monopoly because that that game takes seven and a half weeks <laughs> to play. It's just so. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, the the other game we played over Christmas as a family was Trivial Pursuit, and the trouble was it was it was a, an addition from like 1991 or something. Yeah, and nobody knew the answers to any of these questions, and that took about seven and a half weeks as well. So as long as it's not the 
I mean, Pictionary. Pictionary is good if you can if you can survive the fights in your family oh, yeah. and yeah. the the arguments over Pictionary. It's it's a lot of fun, but um, um, hopefully your marriage can survive it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? My daughter <laughs> just played uh, with some friends a version of Our City. They made a Monopoly game related to Our City, which sounded kind of cool. Yeah. But I thought that's the problem, Monopoly. You're playing for hours and hours and hours, oh. and ultimately nobody wins. You just have to give up and say <laughs> who had the most money, you win. And I agree with you. Yeah. On tri- anything trivial, we were watching. On New Year's Day, me and my friends, and I think one of my kids was down there with us. In between watching college football, we did a like last 25 years trivia musical thing that was on YouTube. And we're feeling really good like the first five or six years. Like we're killing it. And then as it got mm-hmm. more contemporary, I'm like, yeah, I'm clearly listening to old music because I not I did not know one song from any of those years. I'm like, okay, out of these last like 15 years, I bet I'm gonna know two of them. Yeah, I knew zero. Yeah, yeah. I knew zero. I'm like, forget it. It's done. Trivia sounds yeah. good. You think you know stuff. And it, it's kind of like referee in a sporting event. You think you know the sport, go ref it. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're in the hot seat and you realize. That's yeah. right. Uh, Glenn, what's a song that would sum up or speak to your life well? Oh, oh man. I don't know. I, I think maybe it is well. Might. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Through 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 lots of storms and and obviously Horatio Spafford kind of wrote that song was it was on an ocean liner wasn't it yeah. and it was at the very spot where his children died mm-hmm. wasn't it wife you was know, it wife it, too and maybe wife as well yeah. yeah or maybe she survived a bit but yeah yeah um that's a good one. and yeah through that yeah well, you know the space you're sitting in right now. I had a, I had a previous podcast guest on here talk about the song for him would be "Let It Be." He's a Beatles fan, and he said he yeah. would just want to hear speaking words of wisdom. He goes that would sum his life mm. up, which I thought was really good. Mm. Let's ask you this: since you talk about outer space in your book, if you're going to outer space for a year and you're not eating regular food, what's the last meal you have? Is someone preparing it, or is it a restaurant? And if it's a restaurant, where are you eating that last meal? It is a Thai restaurant, and I'm eating uh, a green chicken curry, mm. um, chicken chicken green curry, and maybe I just I just had incredible Thai food in Australia. I, I had Christmas in Australia, uh, where I'm from originally, and it was on a beach on a tropical island. That's that's where I'm doing it. Wow, super cool! I knew I love the specificity to your answers. You don't mess around. <laughs> you got it. Whatever I'm asking, you're taking it even further. Well, I'm going to skip down. We're going to look at two questions here, and, and we'll call it a day. Let's ask with what you do and what you're sharing here with three, two, one, and where you're going. I think there's a real balance in where do we talk about hell? Like we ultimately mm-hmm. don't want to scare people into a relationship with Jesus and make hell everything, and yet it's a reality. So where do you? in what you do day-to-day, conversation-to-conversation, in content. Give us encouragement on where we should speak about hell as followers of Jesus who are trying to evangelize the world. I've been really helped by preachers who they don't simply and they don't mainly dangle your feet over the pit and scare you, but they do point you to the disconnected areas of life in the here and now that are already hellish and that will become hell full blown if they are not nipped Mm. in the bud. And, and C.S. Lewis would like talk about that a lot. You know, it began with a grumble, he would, he would say. And, you know, in, in the end, hell became a grumble in this woman that went on for all eternity. 
And that's taking seriously what happens in scripture, like in John chapter three, it, it, it says those who have believed in the name uh, of God's one and only son are not condemned. Those who have not believed in the name of God's one, one and only son are condemned already, right? And and there is there is a sense of life outside of Christ is already hellish. You get that as well in James chapter three, when it talks about um, just like the gossip and the the hell you can unleash with your tongue mm. is a fire that is set on fire by hell itself. And there is something already hellish about disconnected life outside of Jesus. And I, have, I often find it very fruitful in evangelism to kind of talk about, you know, you know, like if you have an argument with somebody you love, there is something that's going on in that. And and you say something and, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then they say something back and they shouldn't have said that. Mm. And back and forth and back and forth. And it ratchets and it ratchets and it ratchets. And it's it's kind of hell on earth. And what actually will resolve that situation is somebody has to eat humble pie and somebody has to say, I'm so sorry, I was wrong. And it feels excruciating. But hopefully there's a reconciliation that comes out of it. And this this is actually the way all reality works, according to the Bible, that, that we're out of relationship with God and it's hell. And, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And if we are finally not reconciled to God, then that perishing continues eternally. And it's, it's, it's a dreadful thing. Thankfully, Jesus has come and it was excruciating for him to offer his word of reconciliation. But if we receive that, it's it's been excruciating for him. It's been a cross of, of 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 hellish suffering for him, but it reconciles us. And there is somebody who can come and kind of break the cycle. And so I found it actually really fruitful in evangelism to to say yes, there there is the wrath to come, as Romans chapter two puts it. But there is also the wrath of God being revealed already, which is what Romans one says. Mm. And that actually our best window onto hell is not Dante's Inferno, and it's not like Hollywood Halloween pictures. It is disconnected living in the here and now. It is unforgiveness, but but it, it is that grumble that goes on forever and ever and ever and is never healed. And when I start talking in those terms about the hellishness of disconnection in this life, I think it connects with people. And you basically can then say, look, you don't want to go where that kind of life takes you. Trust me, you don't want to go and you don't have to go because the 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 beautiful thing about Christ is whatever else we say about hell, the son of God has experienced it for us mm. that we might never have to. And that should always be the first and last word when we when we talk about that. But yeah, you're right, it's a it's a dreaded and serious reality, but but I find that people especially people in addiction and people when there's been real family breakdown and when their life has been in turmoil, they're actually ready to hear something serious. And they're ready to hear that life is so serious. It is a heaven or hell kind of a thing. And I think we need to put words at that point to the fact that, yeah, that relational breakdown and those addictions, those are kind of hell in miniature. And you are right to fear those things. But in Jesus, you can come and be reconciled and you never have to fear that eternally. I don't know how well we do with connecting earth to heaven. I think we probably struggle connecting earth to hell. And you said three words there that fit really well together. You said the perishing continues. 
That I don't know if you meant that to be profound, but that really grabbed me. What you just said there about the perishing that's already taken place continues. Now it's just eternal. That's the John three thing. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this in closing. What would be the ultimate fruit and success of this book? Like, where would mm. you like to see this go when you think about kingdom purposes for it? Oh, Jeff, I'm just, I'm just passionate for people to meet Jesus. I'm, I'm desperate for people to meet Jesus. I think he is extraordinary. He's wonderful. He's Lord. He's, he is the answer to the heart's cry of every human being on planet mm. Earth. And, and, I, and I look with anguish at a world that is chasing after everything except him and i want people to to meet him for whom their souls were made and so i i just long for for people to meet christ we're hearing great stories about about that sort of happening already sort of 321course.com people are kind of going onto the the learning platform and discovering jesus for themselves Lots of churches have started running 321 for themselves we're hearing about people coming to christ and baptisms happening and and so like I, I love that Christians are being refreshed by hearing the gospel again. I really do love that, and I really think a, a big part of my job as an evangelist is to make Christians re-remember how mm. good the good news is. Right, Amen. and so I'm really that that really thrills my heart to hear Christians say, "Oh, I'm you know I became a Christian all over again," or you know I was born again again. I, I love that Christians are being refreshed by it, but I just I just long for for non-Christians to find Christ. Well, I love that March 4th is coming, and we'll see where this goes and how God's going to reveal himself and bring great glory to himself. But in the meantime, I'm seeing it in my life personally with a friend of mine, and you're seeing it. It's already bearing fruit. So, folks, go check that out. Speaklife.org, right? .org.uk. Yes, .uk. .uk. Amazon, type in Glenn Scrivener. Check out our previous podcast several months ago with Glenn as well. And thanks again for being easy. Thanks for ministering to my heart. Thanks for encouraging me. And and uh, now you've spurred me on to want to be a songwriter. So <laughs> that's next. That's coming next. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to hear them. All right. Blessings on your day, Glenn. You too. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.